Welcome to another episode of Only the Brave Have Fun, and today's guest is Patrick. Uh, Patrick is the founder of Europe's biggest business meetup and one of UK's. In 2009, he founded Entrepreneurs in London, a community for entrepreneurs, which has now become the biggest business meetup in Europe. He's also an author of several highly acclaimed books, including Turn Your Contacts into Cash and Deadly Marketing Weapons. Um, he speaks and trains on the subjects of sales funnel conversion, lead generation, marketing, copywriting, entrepreneurship, and influence. And he's featured on uh, BBC three times and uh, interviewed by Forbes. Let's welcome Patrick. For the people that don't know who Patrick is, what would you say? How would you introduce yourself? Okay, so I'm a communication and influence expert. So I focus on helping finding the message and communicating the message in a way that is powerful, makes an impact, and influences people. So you can go out and achieve the goals that you want because really success is about influence. Uh, Tony Robbins says that influence is the number one skill for you to learn now and in the future. So that's what I do. Uh, I also run business networks. I run Entrepreneurs in London. I founded Entrepreneurs in London about 10 years ago, and it's now become the biggest business meetup group in Europe, uh, third biggest in the world. I've also started a mastermind group and something called VIP dinners, which is connecting high-level business people around a dinner. So I'm all about communication, influence, and connecting people. Awesome. And uh, um, I'm sure your, uh, uh, your journey just didn't start like that. Uh, what, what were you doing before you uh, started doing meetups and, and, and got into the field you're in? Oh, my God. I've been doing so many things. It's ridiculous. I'm one of those people that never really found my place and jumped from one place to the next, to the next, to the next. So I started out in life. I had no idea what I wanted to become. And one of my friends just said, oh, you should try landscape gardening. And I like nature. So I thought that sounds kind of romantic, going out and taking care of the roses and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> uh, I, I found out that I actually completely hated it because it was, it was not so much that romantic ideal that I had. It was more digging holes and laying very heavy stones, slabs, parking lots, and all that kind of stuff. So it was just not me. So I launched my first business 21, and I was in the field of uh, holistic uh, he- healing. Uh, massage, uh, NLP, so psychotherapy, uh, anything that would make people better. Okay? And then I failed with that, and I failed another attempt, and another attempt, and so on, so on, so on. So throughout about 13, 14 years, I failed in 15 different businesses, including network marketing businesses. Uh, and I think the reason why, no, I don't think, I know the reason why I failed so many times is because I was just so shy. I just didn't have the courage to go out and talk to people. So it's very hard to, to build a business when you're, when you're as shy as I was. So finally, in 2003, I had enough. I literally said, this is it. I am no longer living like this anymore. I will succeed. And, and that was literally like, it was like flicking a switch. It was quite incredible, actually. Literally from one moment to the next, I found a network marketing company that, that really fit me and... Uh, Went out there in 10 months, became financially free, built the biggest uh, distributorship in Europe. Uh, in a year, we had 4,500 people, I think. Yeah, 4,500 people in a year. In two years, 10,000 people in my network. Uh, and I basically retired, more or less, start traveling the world. And that's, that's kind of the, pre, the pre-story. Wow, okay. So, so then everything 
went to shit because I became overconfident and I decided to sell that distributorship because I thought now I'm so smart, I can just do anything. And uh, that was just not true. So <laughs> things, things just fell apart. Um, I was in this perfect, absolutely perfect waterfront property in Dominican Republic and running out of money. And I had to have a friend bail me out and pay me, uh, pay the ticket to come back to the UK where I had two and a half thousand pounds in the safety deposit box in Kensington. There was all the money I had left. I literally arrived in London with a hundred pounds in my hand, right? And I couldn't, I couldn't even get access to the money because it was Christmas morning, right? So the, so, so the, so the safety deposit box was closed, right? So I had to survive for two days with a hundred pounds, including, you know, not having a place to stay. Like, you know, I had to go out and, and find a hotel. And this, this was in the days before Airbnb. So, you know, there was no like super cheap places to be. So then I, um, I basically, I, I more or less just barely survived for two years, but I started this meetup group on entrepreneurs in London because I didn't have the money to market myself. So I thought if I start a network, at least I can get in touch with some people and all that kind of stuff. And that's, that's how I survived for the first few years. And then suddenly just took off. And well, I mean, it wasn't just suddenly, it was, it was a gradual process over a couple of years, but then it took off and became the Europe's biggest business meetup group. And then as they say, the rest is history. Yeah, that's, that's a pretty incredible achievement, to be honest. I mean, um, four or five years ago, I started my journey as a life coach. And one of the first things I was told by my coach was to, you know, you need to start doing some public speaking, you need to start doing some events and use meetup. Mm-hmm. And I know how difficult it can be. It's not an easy, you know, feed. I, I tried many different angles and things to try and get the meetup up and running, you know. Yeah. Um, the, the funny thing with meetup is you would, you would start the meetup, you have all these tons of people joining in. And then when actual actually event happens, you know, 50 people sign up and two or three might turn up. <laughs> and that's yeah. pretty heartbreaking. And that's if you're lucky, you know, <laughs> you make it or they come on time. And, yes. and, you know, you've, I've tried paid, I've tried free wins and, um, and I liked the, I liked the fact that I was, you know, the idea that I'm going to be amongst people and I'm going to connect with them was mm-hmm. very exciting, very thrilling, but the reality hit and the event happened and, and nobody turned up or two people turned up or three people turned up and, and it breaks your heart. I mean, for you to go from, what, what was your journey like there? So I was really lucky. As I said in the beginning, I'm all about influence, like how to actually craft words that compel people, get them to act. Uh, and that's my background as a copywriter. Uh, and lately I've gone into the, to the field of uh, public speaking coaching because I, as I said in the beginning, I was extremely shy and I was unbelievably afraid of public speaking. And I've overcome it and I had to do many more things than the average person thinks to overcome it. So I learned a lot of different techniques and, and I wanted to share that with the world because what I found is that the most powerful tool to influencing people is actually your voice and speaking, uh, whether it's with one per- person or a thousand people. Uh, but it, it, was, it was not easy, of course, in the beginning because I had no money to market myself, right? Absolutely no money. Again, I had two and a half thousand pounds and that was literally to, uh, to pay for my, my personal expenses as well, getting a deposit for, for a room and everything. So it was super, super, super challenging. And, you know, I, along that way, I lost, I lost my faith. I lost my trust in myself. I lost my belief. And, and that was horrible. But I had relatively good traction with my meetups because I knew how to write 
emails. I knew how to create titles for the events that people responded to. And that is unbelievably important. There's so many people who come and say to me, Patrick, this, this is a fun thing. When people ask something, they often, they don't really want to hear the answer or they're listening to the answer because they're, they, they, they want to hear the answer from a specific direction or a specific angle. And when I tell them what the secret is to success in running events, it's like they either don't believe it or they don't want to hear it because the secret to success with running events is writing good copy to attract people. Okay. Number one, you have to, I mean, especially in meetup, you have to come up with really good titles for the meetups because meetups are not expensive. It's something that people buy on a whim or, you know, it's an impulse buy most of the time because it's free or it's five pounds, 10 pounds, 15 pounds. It doesn't take a lot of effort. There's no, there's no risk, so to speak. So people, it doesn't take them a long time to make the decision. Therefore, the title alone is incredibly important. Okay. So I was fairly good at writing the titles to begin with. And of course, I learned to make them better and better and better. And then number two secret is to make people feel incredibly good when they arrive, to make them feel welcome. And I'm proud to say that I have learned a lot about that from the field of network marketing. There's a lot of people that, that don't, you know, they don't like network marketing, they poo-poo network marketing. But some of our greatest icons and success trainings has come from the network marketing field, like Sig Sigler, um, Tony Robbins, uh, Jim Rohn. Um, you know, I've learned tremendously, uh, tremendously valuable things from network marketing that's helping me in my business today, including how to make people feel welcome when they come to an event and how to get them connected with each other, how to make them feel at ease because people that come to a networking event, even fairly experienced networkers, they're scared out of their wits, right? Most of them are, right? It is scary. I don't know if you know this, but one of the top fears in the world is entering a room full of strangers. So we did a lot of things to try to make people feel at ease when they arrived. And those two things, well, and then compared with uh, or combined with a third thing, and that was, but, but those were basically the main two things. Then combined with a third thing, which was, I was very critical about selecting our speakers when we went into speaker events. Uh, and most, most networking events, they have, honestly, they have crap speakers. It's just, it's horrendous. And I, I, I vouch that I would never have that. And I'm proud to say now in 10 years, we've only had two really bad events, two speak, bad speaker events. Um, so, so yeah, so no, it was, it was not easy. We had many challenges. Two times, two times I was so broke that I actually only had the money for the two to go to the event. I wouldn't have the money to come back unless I sold something like one of my books or got some money out of people in some way. And I always managed to do that. Uh, but that's just to give you an example or, or yeah, an example of how low I was. It was, I was constantly behind rent. I was, I was afraid of being in the street. It was actually horrible, but, and I had no choice. I just had to go on. And was this all when you were, you, uh, were you like with your family or were you by yourself at the time? Or? I, was, I was by myself, yeah. So um, I'm from Denmark and I have my family in Denmark. Um, so yeah, I was, I was only myself. And, and moving a little bit further back before your journey began in, in business and, you know, you, all of that, you, you mentioned you were shy and, and, you know, you had a few failed attempts. What did you do before that? Were you, you finished university, college, and then what was next for you? Did you have a job or? No, I, um, I never went to college or university. Um, I, 
I had a few jobs after the 10th grade in Denmark. And, um, and then I got into this education as a landscape gardener. Okay, right. so I became a landscape gardener. I think it's about it's three and a half years, I think. It's three and a half or four years as a landscape gardener where, where you're partially in school and partially out working a, um, a, like, like an apprenticeship kind of thing. Okay? Yeah. So that was a four years. After that, I had a job as a landscape gardener for a short while. But um, I, I hated it, so I, I stopped it and I started my own business, as I said, as a, as a holistic, holistic practitioner and psychotherapist. Right. You, you said, you mentioned earlier you had 15 failed business attempts. Sure. Yeah. So, so what made yes. you stick to the one that you, you, you're, you are doing right now? And uh, I mean, a lot of people are like that, you know, when it gets a little bit harder or, you know, they try a couple of things, it doesn't work. Boom. The next thing they know is they change, they jump, they jump, they jump. Yeah. Don't reali- not realizing it takes persistence, it takes hard work, it takes a lot of dedication. It's not going to be... I had my father asking me uh, last night, he goes, how is your podcast going? You know, did you get any results? And I was like, what does that mean? Mm. And I said, I said, look, I've just planted a seed. Yep. I don't know when it's going to bear fruit or if it's going to bear fruit, but I love it, I enjoy it, and that's why I do yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what, what made me stick with this is it's a progress. And then, you know, recently... In the, in the last many years, I've been mostly focusing on uh, writing copy, uh, marketing campaigns, emails, be a marketing strategist, and I'm, I still do that. I'm still I still like it. Uh, but recently, in the re- uh, last couple of years, I've just been a little bit tired of sitting by myself behind a computer and writing all these campaigns, and and I just had suddenly had this need of actually going out and interacting with people, and that's when I found out that. Oh my God, I actually have some stuff here that is an edge in terms of learning people how to overcome the fear of public speaking and to be really powerful uh, public speakers. And so suddenly it was like, this I think is actually kind of my, my destiny, right? But who knows? Maybe in 10 years it's going to be something else. But for now, it's, it's, a, it's a work in progress. You keep on doing things, you see what works. Does it fit your personality? Does it also fit the market? Because, you know, I believe that. To find a thing that really, truly makes you happy and fulfilled is not something that is just your expression, right? I mean, it can be like lots of artists that say, well, you know, I don't care about what the market thinks. I'm going to create this sculpture or whatever, and it looks like shit. Nobody, like, nobody okay. likes it, right? I believe that if you want to be truly fulfilled, you've got to find that combination of something that you really, truly like and you put, put that expression of yourself in, but it also has to be something that the world appreciates because I think that's how we are wired, that we actually want to do something that, that creates value, that makes us feel appreciated, that the world appreciates, right? So for, for me, that's that combination right now. In the past, there was marketing and writing, writing uh, advertising campaigns, but but lately, I've become much more extroverted or, or have much bigger need for social interaction, whereas before I was more of a loner. I lo- loved sitting behind a computer. I don't like that anymore. So I think we can never know what's, what the thing is going to be for the rest of our life. And I don't think we should approach it like that, like, I have to find the thing. Okay, well, just find the, the, the for now thing, right? Just do something. And, and by the way, this is a great tip as well. Too many people, including one of my friends at the moment, is trying to find the thing that's going to make him successful, it's going to make him happy, like his purpose. But 
I don't think he's going to find it with his current strategy, which a lot of people are using, which is thinking about it, just thinking about it, contemplating about it, pondering, what is my purpose? What is my purpose? Asking friends, what is my purpose? No, you're not going to find it like that, right? You're going to find it by going out and, and you know, just doing something, doing the thing that you think this might be it, and just go out there and take action on it. And you'll find, does it work? Does it not work? If it doesn't work, you do something different. And you change it until, and you keep on changing until you find a thing that works. Okay? Awesome. But, but it's, it's very important also, as, as you said before, that we don't change like every other month because so many people do that. Right? You have to give it a good try. Right. That was going to be my question, actually. That, uh, what advice would you give to people uh, you know, that, that are looking for and they start asking their friends and family and, and, you know, and just thinking about it, really. So it's a very interesting answer that you gave. You know, try, that's what Oprah said as well. You know, she goes, you try the thing that you want to do. Doesn't work. Doesn't work in the sense that you gave it a good try. Doesn't work. You move on to the next thing. Yeah. And that's how you do it. Yeah. What about for people, you know, that, that always feel that, you know, you mentioned you just had 100 pounds, right? Not everybody has that mentality of, you know, what if I lost all? doesn't matter it's that little bit of comfort that holds them you know that security in their mind that holds them to doing what they're doing now and not taking that next step mm. i'm sure you don't regret any of your steps you're oh, i do <laughs> in, in the sense in the sense that where you are right now sure you know it, it got you to here yeah, yeah at, the, yeah at the point in time you could have done things better could have, could have done things differently but you are where you are because of that yeah absolutely What's been, your, uh, what's been your lowest moment? Okay. If there's just one moment in time, it was at the end of my first business where I was going bankrupt. And I bought a house and um, I didn't have any money. I ran out of money. So in Denmark, it's cold in wintertime. Okay. Like it's Scotland. Cold? It's cold. It's cold. It's like Scotland. Okay. It's colder than here. <laughs> so... We were approaching November and it was getting really cold in my house and I was owing money to the oil companies because it was heated with oil, okay? So, and then that's typically how it's done in Denmark. And so I didn't have any oil. I didn't have any money for oil. And so it was, it was just cold. It was, and it was horrible. And I, I just knew I'm going to fail. Where am I going to go? What's going to happen with me? And at the very end, I was like, it's so cold. But I have, I had a stove or what do you call it, a fireplace, okay? And I had a little bit of wood in the garden, actually. But that also ran out, of course. And I didn't have money for wood. So what do you do? Well, I had a bed and it was made of wood. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I actually chopped up my bed and I had wood for, uh, for, for the fireplace for two nights. And I felt so low that I, I cried myself to sleep. All right, so that was, that was one of the lowest points in my life. I think this, the second is not so much a single point, but, but the whole period of after having built a successful business and everything fell apart and I came back here to England and I just, I just struggled so much. And it was for years, like for years that I was just under unbelievably intense stress. And that was probably harder than the first time because I'd been successful. And suddenly I was like, two steps away from the street. And I was like, what the hell happened? You know, I'm smart. I'm, I'm skilled and all that kind of stuff. 
So I started to beat myself up a lot, right? And, and that was it, was, it was the toughest period of my life by far. Here's a question for you then. Imagine right now you were to go to another city. You don't know anyone, you don't have any money. You just to have a place to live and, and you know, a meal to eat. Mm. What do you do? Where do you begin? I would begin two places, okay? I would go to meetups, networking events, and I would also start networking on Facebook or LinkedIn, okay? So just hitting people up on Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, engaging them in a conversation, getting to know them, and then once I get to know them, try to get them on a, on a phone call or a Skype call or something like that and find out more about them and find out if there's any needs that, that I can help them with. Do they have any problems? Do they have any challenges, needs that I happen to have the skills to help them with? That's what I do. And, I, and I also, of course, going out in the real world to network because if you have the right skills, if you're good at influencing people with your appearance, if you have confidence, if you know what to say in a networking situation, you can actually develop leads extremely fast. Right. So, yes, so that's what I would do. And I would go out and, by the way, also try to get speaking engagements because that's also one of the best ways to generate leads. Because if you're a good speaker, you get up there and wow the audience, it's, it's amazing how people automatically perceive you to actually be an expert in your field if you're a good public speaker. Right. So those would be the three things I would focus on. And people that are going to, to the events, what's, what's an average, uh, uh, you being one of the biggest meetup groups, what's an average turn, turn up on, on your events? About 70, I would say. Depends, de- depends on the speaker. Um, we had one recently with 110. We've been as much as 260 people. Wow. Um, but that, that was in the past when there was less competition on Meetup. Um, when, when we kind of really blew up, the, it was amazing. I mean, we had a, typically we had 120, 40 people coming and not unusually 180. And then we had like 240 um and then 270 80 at one point so that was pretty amazing but but i think it's going to be very hard to achieve that today on meetup on the meetup platform if meetup is the only place that you're actually getting the attendees from to the events right and then what advice do you give to people that are you know that that are like me and you know at one point they were like you they're shy they're introverts and you know it gets very uncomfortable going there talking to people and you know what do you do and you know the similar kind of questions and after a very quick exchange of, you know, how's it going? And, you know, then you exchange cards and then you're off on your way. And the next day you give them a phone call and then you realize, uh, you know, they just about picked your phone and said, yeah, call me in 10 minutes or call me tomorrow. And then nothing happens. And you realize, hmm, I didn't kind of build a rapport. I should have, you know, I should have spent a bit more time, mm-hmm. learn about them. How would you approach that? Like what, what advice would you give to people to make the most out of these networking events and meetups? Okay, so I think you had a couple of questions. You said how to, how to overcome the fear or, yes, yeah, or how to actually approach networking events. Uh, both, really. So how do, you, okay. how do you, in that situation, what do you do? I mean, okay, do do how to o- overcome the fear? Very easy. Get a freaking coach or go, go to a seminar about how to overcome fear of approaching people, speaking, and so on, so on. Because if you're doing this by yourself, reading books about it, listening to audios, all that stuff, Definitely will help. Do it. But don't miss out on getting a coach or getting into an actual live training program where you work on breaking that fear live. Okay. Because it can be something that is really, really deep within your subconscious and can take a lot of work. So just thinking about it, 
doing a little bit of exercises, reading about it is typically not enough. Okay. So that's of course saying like, if, if you're willing to wait two, three, four, five, ten 10 years to overcome it, then just go out and go crazy. Just go do one meeting after the other, after the other, because at some point your brain and your nervous system will understand, okay, this is actually not dangerous. Okay. But that's the slow way of doing it. Now, in terms of mastering networking, there are so many things that, that today I'm looking back and thinking, how could I be that dumb? But I guess if you don't know, you just don't know. Okay. There's a lot of things I see people, they do wrong when they go out networking. So let me cover a couple things so you don't do them. First of all, networking is not about selling. Okay. Most people, they go out and they just pitch, pitch, pitch. Oh, hear about my business and I do this and I do that and I do that, you know, blah, 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 blah. And that's not what networking is about. It's about building trust. It's about building a network. When people trust you, they will ask you, right? So Mm -hmm. forget about selling whatever you do as a business and start focusing on selling yourself, selling the relationship, not the business, selling the relationship, selling them on, hey, Gasper is a nice guy. I think I would like to get to know him, right? That's, that's the sale you've had to make. For that to happen, you have to be interested in them, not in yourself. And that's the mistake most people do. They think about, what can I say to get people to buy, right? So they're coming from a perspective of, what can I get out of it? And to make networking work, you have to completely switch it around to thinking, what can I give What can I give? And the first thing you can give is people's full attention, right? Your attention and your care. You might have heard the expression before that uh, people don't care about how much you know until they know that you care. And it really is true, right? So you have to show that you care. So be a good listener, not a good talker, okay? Listen 80% of the time at least, talk 20% of the time, okay? So that's major, major thing. And I see people do this mistake over and over again. It's, it's so funny, you know, when I do some of my trainings and talks, I talk about uh, that you should never interrupt people, okay? And everybody's like, yes, of course, they understand it's really annoying when, when you're interrupted by somebody. And I get them to commit. So will you stop interrupting people, please? Will you never, ever, ever do that again? And everybody's like, yay, we'll never interrupt people again. And then in the break, Somebody walks up to me and asks me a question, and then I haven't even finished the question, and they interrupt me, right? They've literally just five minutes prior to that committed. They'll never interrupt anyone again, and they just go up there and even do it with me that they made the commitment to. So just don't interrupt people, please. Okay, that's the first thing. Again, it shows that you think that you're more important than they are, right? If you show, hey, I'm more important than you, are they going to feel cared for? Are they going to feel important? No, of course not, right? So you've got to find ways to make them feel appreciated, make them feel important. That's the key to make networking a success. And if you do that, they will take your call or they'll even call you back. Yeah, I think I've, I've, I've done that quite a few times. I think it's more of, it's not that, there's two things really that really kind of puts people, um, when someone in the position of authority uh, or an expert, when they're giving you advice and advice sounds too simple, it seems there's something wrong. <laughs> that's, that's the first one for me. And the second one is, and over time, that's what I've learned is that 
all the successful people will tell you the same things. Mm. And they'll all be almost 99.999% of the time will be simple advice, period. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and, and the second one is, oh, I must say this before I forget. So I'm trying to put my mm. point before, before you finish yours. Yeah. And then for me personally, those are the two things that, that, that really always kind of... That's, that, that, that's the mistake in people's understanding about what, what uh, works. It seems like everybody wants to f- look smart or sound smart and get their point across. That's not what works. What works is that the other person trusts you. And they're not going to trust you based on what you say. They're going to trust you based on how much you seem to be interested in them. If you, if you have people's best interest at heart, they will trust you. Okay? And people say, well, I do have people's best interest at heart. But you don't behave like it. right? If you cut me off all the time, if you just talk about you all the time, I'm not going to perceive you to have my best interest at heart. Does that make sense? It does, yes, yeah. Yes. So, like, again, forget about your agenda. Forget about your agenda. Only focus on their agenda. If you do that and make them feel special, they're going to ask also, you know, like, so what do you do, Jess? Right? And at that point, they will actually listen. Like, if you make them feel special first, they will really listen much more intently. It just reminds me of something I, was, uh, I read a while ago. Uh, do you know a company called Mind Valley? Yes, absolutely. I, yeah. I was actually listening to some stuff with them yesterday on YouTube. The the CEO Vision, he went to he was invited to the Nicker Islands, um, and Richard Branson was there, and he was, he was thinking, how what can I do to collaborate with Richard Branson? Mm-hmm. And he was like, I'm I'm going to probably go there, and I'm going to pitch him an idea, and I'm going to do this. And then he went there, and he said, instead of that, instead of doing that, what he did was he asked Richard Branson, he said. What's, what's the biggest challenge you have right now? Mm-hmm. And that allowed the conversation to open up. Yeah. It's what, how, what can I do to help him? Yeah. That's going to create the connection. That's going to create the collaboration. Not this is what I want and help me out. Yeah. That was, that was brilliant. That was absolutely brilliant. I've used that line quite a few times and it works mm-hmm. every single time. It makes other person feel important. And if you're coming genuinely from the place of curiosity and you know, that you wanting to know that person and learn about them, about their business, about their challenge. Yep. Always creates that, that energy, that synergy. Yeah. Again, because that's just one way of showing that you care about them and what they do. Again, there are many, many ways to have that come across, but that's just one way. It's a very powerful way. So you just have to think about how can I make this person feel important, feel cared for, feel special? Uh, I think it was Mary Kay but one of the founders of the big direct selling companies in the world, um, she was wearing a badge that said, I'm number two. Okay? And then people were like a little bit curious about why would you wear a badge to say that you're number two instead of like, I'm number one. But she wore it to remind herself to put other people before her. <laughs> that, that, that's very profound. I mean, a lot of people wouldn't do that. That advice you will, you will get is, uh, you know, I've been putting a lot of people before me and now, you know, I'm going to put myself first. Yeah. Because um, people, they, they, they think people will take advantage of that in that scenario because yeah. I'm wearing something that yeah. will allow other people unlimited access to her. Yeah, no, that, that's a good, it's a good point because there's, there's a difference. Like when you get into a relationship, you can't just give, 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 right? 
because then people will typically just walk over you, right? They won't take you seriously and they'll just expect that you're there to just give, give to them constantly. So, so that's a great point you bring up. The dynamics is different when you actually get more, more into the relationship, then you also have to ask for whatever you want out of the relationship. But initially, you want to give, okay? You want to put them first, okay? And so later on, when, you, when the, the relationship matures, whether it's personal or, or, or business, then of course you have to ask for what, what you want because otherwise you'll never get what you want. But that's the point. Now, when they trust you, you can ask them and they will typically give it to you. I'm, I'm reading a book at the moment called Rejection Proof. And uh, this by Gia, um, I think he was, uh, he started up a company and he was going for, um, he was looking for funding and he got rejected. So he felt really down and out. And, you know, he had six months. His wife gave him six months to make his business happen. She said, you are not giving up. You have six months time, make it work or you're, or you're, you're working again. And uh, what he started doing was he said, you know what, I'm going to, uh, he found James, I think his name is James Connolly, and he runs this rejection therapy um, classes. And he he read his book or video, YouTube videos, and he said, go and get no's, like get rejected as many times as possible. Mm-hmm. So he said, okay, I'm going to do 100 days of rejection. I'm going to, every day I'm going to do one thing that's going to, that's gonna, I'm going to get a no. It's going to be ridiculous I'm going to get no. So one mm-hmm. of the things he does is he goes and uh, he goes to a security guard and he says, I $100. That was his first attempt. <laughs> and the security guard goes, no. And he goes, uh, no, why? And then he goes, oh, it's okay. That's, thank you. And I'm going to go. And then he suddenly realized he did ask him why. So he wanted to tell, give me a reason why I should give you $100. Mm-hmm. But I said, listen, I'm upset myself a challenge that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get rejected. And, you know, um, so I'm going to make ridic- ridiculous requests. But if you were to give me $100, I'll give you straight back. The idea is to get no. He said, I could have said that, but why didn't I? Mm. It's like you said, if you don't ask, you don't get. Yep, 100%. I, d- I just literally just ordered that book. It sounds, I love the title, Rejection Proof. So uh, thank you so much for that recommendation. There you go. Yeah. Very interesting book. And there's apparently a YouTube video as well on uh, his, uh, one of his other attempts where he goes to, uh, it became very popular, where he goes to Krispy Kreme Donuts and he goes, um, he tells the cashier, he goes, um, well, they give you a donuts, whatever they have on the menu. They don't do customized donuts. And he says, hey, listen, I'm looking for customized donuts. I'm on London Olympics uh, circles. And she goes, what color are they? How are they? Instead of saying no, or we don't do them, she said, hmm, let me have a think. And then she goes, wait here one second. She goes, when do you want them by? He goes, what, in the next few minutes? Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay, she's going to say, no, I'm going to go home. Everybody's happy. You know, I've done my job, today's job. I got rejected, right? Funny mm. to his surprise, 20 minutes later, she comes out with those rings and she goes, you know what, that's on me. And she becomes an internet sensation and he becomes an internet sensation of, you know, mm. you do not get if you don't ask for it. Yep. And the worst thing you're going to get is a no. Then you move on to the next thing and the next thing and the next yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Brilliant. Absolutely. Book. I highly recommend it from, you know, from the perspective of fear and rejection and, you know, yeah. I was getting into, um, I'm, I'm warming up to the sales because that's a lot of people run away from sales mm-hmm. um, and they think it's cheesy, it's not done right. Well, sales is everywhere, you know, that is part of life and it's part of selling yourself first, you know. Absolutely. And it's, and it's helping the other person. See, this is the thing people don't appreciate about sales, that the things that really will help us in life are typically something that we have a resistance to. So 
obviously we need to buy food every day and that doesn't take any, you know, great decisions to buy it. We need it. We buy it. Right. But to create a different life, we need to move outside of our comfort zone. And so when somebody's approaching us to sell us something that would actually really change our life in any significant way, there will be internal resistance towards it. So unless there's a salesperson that helps us overcome that resistance with sales techniques, we won't get anywhere in life, right? Typically, until, until we actually hit crisis. Like, and that's why actually most people, they won't change their lives uh, in any significant way until they had a crisis, have a crisis. And that's, that's what I had. You know, that's when I changed my life. I hit rock bottom. And I said, this is it. I cannot stand this anymore. And then boom, suddenly changed overnight, right? So, so what a good salesperson does is helping us see something different, helping us overcome the inner, inner resistance. Of course, something, sometimes it feels like they're a little bit pushy, but they're pushing up against something that is our, our fear inside of us. And I, I think it's tremendously valuable what, what we do in sales. If we didn't, if we didn't have salespeople in the world and like, People will only buy by the absolute, absolute necessities, and then we wouldn't grow. We would be Stone Age people. One of the things that uh, you, you sold yourself on was losing uh, 150 pounds. I mean, yeah. other than I think starting a business and getting it off the ground, I think losing weight could be one of the hardest things in the world, convincing yourself. I've been through a very similar journey myself, but I want to know your story. What, what, what happened and how, 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 did that, how did that shift in the mindset happen and you know what? It's it's so it's so weird because it's when it actually happened, it was actually it was actually scaringly easy, right? I mean, I've been struggling for what twenty years of my life being overweight, and no more than that. Like when was it? Oh, this is only like four. Okay, so forty years for forty years of my life, <laughs> right? So and I tried everything. So it was a combination of being at the right time in my life where I just said, this is enough. I can't stand it anymore. But also really being lucky bumping into a detox system that just seriously worked for me, right? So it was a combination of, um, uh, what do you call it? Meal replacements, nutritional supplements that balanced my hormonal system, uh, and then nutritional supplements that also detoxed detoxed my body. Because a big part of, of Having the overweight is for many people actually that their hormonal system is out of, out of whack, okay? But having said that, it's also about creating enough internal push away from where you are, reminding yourself constantly that this is just not acceptable. I will not do this. I will not stay this way. I have to change. When you reach that point, then typically change happens. And then you just constantly remind you every single time you're tempted. But here's, here's what I would recommend. Anyone, anyone who's really serious about losing weight, try intermittent fasting. Okay? And do two days of intermittent fasting a couple times, times a month. What happens during an intermittent fast is kind of your whole, your whole system resets. And it's so much easier to control your hunger after that. Like for me, that, that was the thing. It was a combination between intermittent fasting and, and this nutritional supplement program that I was using. That made it. And today, I have no trouble keeping my weight. Kept my weight off now for two years. Late, lately, I've added a little bit, but I think that's not, that's, not a, that's not a bad thing. I actually kind of, kind of needed to add a little bit. I'm, but, glad, you, I'm yeah. glad you mentioned it because uh, I'm, I'm, actually, I'm actually in that lifestyle of intermittent fasting. My first meal of the day comes around 4 p.m. 
Okay. And uh, and uh, I actually started doing it because um, I heard it makes your brain a bit cleaner and sharper, and you know you're running on proper fuel that your brain yeah. needs, which is your body fat. Uh, you know, if you happen to have quite a lot of it, which I do. Uh, and uh, yeah, every every month, every other month. I mean, I do trying to do 24 to 48 hours clean, you know, water fast, and really, really helps. I mean, any person who's who likes who's creative, who likes thinking, it's it's the brilliant thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. I, I recommend I recommend at least forty eight hours. Uh, I know it sounds horrible, but for most people, the second day is actually easier than the first. Could not agree more. Could yeah. not. It's not everyone. Like like somebody will come. Oh, Patrick, the second day was so much more horrible, and you said that the second day was going to be easier. No, I didn't say that. I said most people find the second day easier than the first. Okay. So yeah, two 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 even three days of water fasting is is incredible for your health. Let's let's talk about your your book. Turn your contacts into cash. Okay. How how did that come about? Well, it's just because again, the funny thing is, like today, networking seems so natural to me, right? But it's definitely not been that way all the time, right? I was a hopeless networker in the beginning, so I learned a lot of different techniques, and I just see people make these same mistakes over and over and over and over again. So I wanted to basically create like a like a guide and a manual, uh, a bible of networking, if you will. Uh, of what to do when you go out and meet people and what not to do. So that's basically what it's about, how to create connections with people. And I'm not talking about how to meet someone and shake their hand and give them the business card. A lot of people think, oh, that's a connection. Well, it is in some way, but I'm not talking about that kind of connection. I'm talking about a real connection. Like you feel a real, a real bond with a person and you trust them because that's what it's all about. That's what it's really about, both in networking and in business as well. Once people feel that bond, they'll want to do business with you. A fantastic example. Recently, I have a, a business connection and uh, sort of a friend that I've been working with for years. He's a, he's a former client. And lately, I did, I did an event with him and then really got to actually focus on him and his needs. And there's something happened. There was an energetic shift. For the first time ever, he called me the other day and said, okay, well, what can I do for you? I said, no, I'm just checking up on you, Patrick. How are you doing? I just want to make sure that you're keeping to your goals and you're doing great. And it's like, holy shit, never, never happened before. And this is a guy who is like, his company is then multi, multi, multi-million in turnover, like huge, okay? And I was like, wow, that is so, so, so interesting, right? So it's all about creating a deep connection not having a lot of connections. If you have a deep connection with a few great people, they will open up the doors to everyone they know. On, the, on that point, what's, what's the most amazing thing that's happened to you, you, you that blew you away? You were like, whew, wasn't expecting this. Hmm. There's a lot of things that happened lately. It's actually lately a lot of different things are happening. Like, again, multi, multi, multi-millionaires and even a billionaire that is recommending me, is inviting me to their private events with their friends, introducing me to their friends. I had recently had a very, very, very big name ask me. That was probably one of the most mind-blowing things recently. He asked me to join his executive team. And I was like, I was so blown away because I was like, holy moly, if this guy asks me to join his executive team, like, 
I'm obviously not seeing myself as other people do because that was like, I've struggled with, with, with self-doubt and bad self-image for the most of my life. And the fact that this guy was asking me, it was like, holy moly, I'm completely wrong about myself, right? And I think that's very, very important. And two days ago, I heard a really great quote, quote by Sean Stevenson. I think his name is Sean Stevenson, the guy who is, he's like in a wheelchair, he's a dwarf. He's, yeah. Like um, he said, don't, don't ever believe a prediction that is not empowering. Wow. Yeah. And that just hit me like a ton of bricks. And I just saw like, holy shit. I'm actually believing all this shit about myself, thinking about my, my future and limitations about my future. And it's like hugely disempowering. And suddenly there was this shift in me. And it's like, wow, right? We tend to actually not believe as much about our own capability as other people do. And then, of course, there's the other, there's the other type of people, which is really weird. It's like there's two types of people in the world. There's the people that just don't believe in themselves like other people do. They, they see themselves as less than they really are. And then there's the people that see themselves as completely amazing and they're shit, right? <laughs> they're completely delusional, right? I know several of them that have, they think they're amazing public speakers and they think they're this and that and then they'll be multi-multi-millionaires. And I'm looking at them like, how can they even come to that conclusion? So it seems like that Almost nobody in the world actually have a fairly precise estimate of who they are. Either they think less of themselves than they really are, or they think more of themselves than they really are. And, and one of the things I would highly recommend is for you to become a, a hyper-realist. Okay? And there's two books I want you to read about this subject. One of them is The 50th Law. The 50th Law, and it's written by Robert Greene, the guy who wrote The 40th Law, Laws of Power. Oh, okay, yeah. A, and if you've written The 40th Laws of Power... This is way better. Like, it's way better. It's one of my absolute favorite books. Uh, and it's written about 50 Cents, the rapper, about his life um, and the way he thinks and his successes and his struggles and all that kind of, kind of stuff. And then Principles. And Principles, by the way, is the number one business book or the book about success ever written oh, by Ray Dalio. He's a billionaire. This is literally like it's so far beyond anything else I've ever read. Um, and, and in it, the, both, both these books talk about being a hyper-realist, hyper uh, meaning seeing yourself for who you are, seeing your world for who you are, uh, for, for what, what it is, and, and, and not, not trying to... See, here's another thing that that's lots of entrepreneurs fall into this trap. They say, you know, I ask them, how's it going? And they say, that's oh, fantastic. Everything's going fantastic. Great. What's so fantastic? Oh, you know, this is happening. That, that, that will probably put us, uh, you know, ahead of the game in next month. And this is happening. I think because of that, then we'll be so much, we'll go so much faster. But when you look at what's actually happening, are you making more sales this month than last month? They're like, oh no, it's the same, right? Or it's actually less, but I believe it's going to be better. So, so why do you believe it's going to be better? Have you actually seen proof of that? Have you, have you made any significant changes that is showing any difference? And it, uh, no. So it seems like they're just like airheads. They're just delusional. They think everything is going to be better and they keep on believing everything is going to be better for years and years and years and years without making any major changes. 
Okay, so that's that's a big, big, big mistake. You've got to see what things are. If you're not growing, you're not growing. And if you're not growing, you need to do something different. It's as simple as that. And then people just keep on doing the same thing over and over again, thinking they will get a different result. Who's an entrepreneur that really impresses you? Well, Ray Dalio, for sure. Like the the author of of Principles. He, He has done something that is so extraordinary that I think this book will go down in history as one, a, a pivotal book. Uh, and it's going to be remembered 100 years from now. I'm, I'm really that, that crazy about it. It's going to be uh, the think and, think and Grow Rich of our time. Yeah. No, completely. Completely. I, it's just next level stuff. There's lots and lots of people. I have a lot of people in my, uh, in my close network, people that I, that I really admire. Daniel Priestley, for example, the, the author of uh, Key Person of Influence and three other bestsellers. He was a speaker of Entrepreneurs in London recently. Hugely impressive entrepreneur. Love him. One of my friends, Joby, Joby Weeks, is an American. He is just, he's extraordinary in, in the results that he's created. Um, and he seems, it seems like he's doing everything so easily. We had him as a speaker last week and he was a multimillionaire when he was in his 20s. And everything he does is just like, it just, seems to touch, to, uh, turn to gold. It's not completely true. He has invested stuff, uh, invested money in stuff that went belly up and all that kind of stuff. But it just seems that everything is so easy for him. And I kind of find out the other day when he was speaking why I think that is. And it's because when he commits to something, he just fully commits. There is, there is, there is no doubt in his mind that this is going to succeed. And he just charges forward, attacks the project like this is absolutely 100% going to succeed, right? And that's, that's a very, very powerful um, attitude to have, that there was just, there's just no doubt. Because when you have no doubt, people won't doubt you. That's the thing. One of my mentors uh, in the network marketing field, he said, when you're convinced, you'll become convincing. So you've got to convince yourself for real, like really convince yourself, this is going to work and this is why people need it. They need my products. They need my services. Sell yourself on that. Become 100% convinced about that. And then don't have any self-doubt about it. And then, boom, people will believe you. It's incredible. Of course, not everyone. You know, you're not going to have, nobody has any situation or product or business or whatever that everybody buys, but you have far more and then it's going to work. Awesome. And Patrick, what's, what's the next big thing for you? What's, uh, what can we expect from you? You can expect a couple of amazing books. I'm writing one called How to Co- How, sorry, Conquer Fear of Public Speaking. And... Another one about overcoming um, a procrastination and another one about general communication and public speaking on influence, influence strategies, how to influence people. And in general, uh, I think you're going to see great things when it comes to the public speaking sphere, sphere because I've learned some techniques and combined them from different fields, from acting and voice coaching uh, and a lot of different fields that really can take a speaker to the next level very, very, very quickly. Um, so that's something I'm hugely passionate about because I found there's, there's really nothing like understanding how to communicate in a compelling way in front of an audience um, to help you propel your, your uh, business to the next level or your career. Because the thing is, when you're a great public speaker, you're doing something that most people consider to be a superpower. Like most people are completely scared of public speaking. That's why, by the way, it's such a valuable skill because most people will just never have the guts to go after it. So it's a, it's a unique skill not many people will have. That's why it's such a, such a, such a powerful thing to have. And, and where can uh, people find you and more about your work, what you do and connect with you and question you and 
Yeah. Well, Facebook is a great place and, and LinkedIn. I uh, just found me under Patrick M. Powers. Uh, and of course, my uh, website, patrickmpowers.com. And then uh, the new one, which is PowerSpeak, powerspeak.co.uk, uh, all about my uh, public speaking training and coaching and, uh, and, and general communication, communication training. Sure. Awesome. Any, any final words before we close the show? Yes. You absolutely have the power to achieve your dreams 100%. But you've got to master two areas. You've got to master your mindset. You've got to go out and face your fears. You've got to master your mindset to the degree that you are able to confront your fears, manage your fears enough that you can take massive action, massive action, whatever field it is. And number two, you must learn to communicate in a way that influences other people unless you have those two you're not going to go anywhere almost certainly unless you're super genius geek that comes up with a brilliant piece of software app that that everybody wants to invest in but that's not most people for the rest of us normal mortals (laughs) right normal mortals we've got to master those two things our mindset and then our communication skills our influencing skills Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me. You're welcome. It was a pleasure to be here. Thank you for listening to another episode of Only the Brave Have Fun with your host, Jasper. If you love this episode, head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. Also, make sure you to visit www.jazzbearaurora.com to access the show notes. And if you are thinking about uh, starting your business, then take our Escape the 95 survey to see if you're ready. And don't forget to join us next week for another episode. Thank you for listening. <laughs>